0: What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the
0: Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feet to the right
1: side to Foley with a shot, save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings! What's up, Kings fans, and welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. I'm Scott Kinville, and I gotta tell you, it's been a while since we've talked, so before we dive in, we're gonna remind everybody how you can find us on social media. At Twitter, you can find us at Hockey underscore Royalty, and also at Royalty underscore Pod, and on Facebook, and yes, on YouTube, you can find us at Hockey Royalty. Uh, The YouTube channel is really cool, so you wanna check that out when you get a chance. So... One of our normal cohorts isn't here today because he's working. He had to actually do his job. So, (laughs) Ryan Sykes is out, but don't worry about it because riding shotgun with me today, as always, is the Prince of PDO. He's the King of Corsi. He is the one. He is the only. It is Mr. Russell Morgan. What's up, buddy? What's up, Scotty? Missed you, bro. I know, man. This has been too long. It really is. It's been a while. We can't do this. I mean, this is just... I started getting jitters. You know, I'm like, ah, I know. we, we got to do a pod. We got to do a pod. There's too much going on that we got to talk about. What yeah, else?
0: it's October.
1: Kings hockey is
0: being played at Staples Center. There's a lot a lot to talk about. So
1: I know yeah, there, there is. There's so much to talk about. And I'll tell you, you've been our our intrepid on-scene reporter, too. You've been doing a fantastic job, my friend.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. It's been uh, cool to see hockey up close now. And um, on Tuesday, it was being at the game against Cuyahoga, it was just cool to see a bunch of Kings fans at Staples Center again. Um, I haven't been in a game since, oof, I think of the avalanche and Kings right before lockdown, so, um, yeah, it's it's been, uh, it's been a long time, so, it's fun, fun to be back, we're good to be back.
1: Yeah, that's, that's for sure, I mean, back east here, I'm starting to make plans to try to get out to, uh, when they come to Buffalo and to New Jersey, at least, perhaps even Boston, so I'm trying, but being on the east coast, I can't be the stable center all the time like you can. so. (laughs)
0: <laughs> a little bit so more anyways. of a
1: trip Yeah right <laughs> So anyways my friend we got a lot to talk about And I guess uh, right off the hop Let's talk about the unfortunate injury To Quentin Byfield that occurred the other night uh, Just a shame It, it really was because mm-hmm. I'll tell you In my opinion Byfield looked really good During training camp During the preseason games he did he looked He looked good He looked like he's ready to be in the NHL I'm um, not saying he was going to jump in and be a you know first line superstar center right off the bat, but I will tell you, the kid looked ready. And now um, reports are saying he's obviously week to week. Um, we don't have a definitive timeline. So, what do you think? Why can't the Kings have nice things? It, it's <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just so crazy.
0: I mean, yeah, it's. I, I being at the game on Tuesday, you're you're watching Byfield play and just like. Throughout the game, it was one of the best games he has probably had in a Kings uniform so far. He's making play after play. I'm talking about his the ability on his forecheck, the way he's using the stick to kind of break up loose pucks. It, it's just dangling through defenders, and it's just it was so obvious that he was just ready to be an NHL player. And then all of a sudden, Christian Fisher hits him into the corner, and it was weird because at first it just looked like from where I was sitting, it just looked like a normal hit. Right. And you see him go down. Yeah. You see him go down, and you're like, okay, well, he's going to get back up. And he's not like writhing in pain right off the hop. Um, So then all of a sudden, you see him try to get back up, and he just falls. And you just heard this collective groan in Staples Center that I had never really heard before. Everybody immediately knew what had happened that Quentin Byfield, the prize prospect of LA Kings Prospect Pipeline has all of a sudden injured and you see the replay and it was just like, ugh, obviously did not look good. And yeah, and we were just kind of waiting for reports. McClellan didn't have anything after the game. And then all of a sudden the next day we find out it's a left ankle fracture, which I mean, by all accounts, I thought it could have been a lot worse. I mean, I was, sure. I, I was thinking maybe ligament damage, like muscle tearing, like something wrong. But I mean, if it's just truly like a bone fracture, then I mean, then it's they came out and said it's indefinite but i mean if you're you're thinking i think someone mentioned local control had a similar fracture where he was out for seven weeks so if right. we're looking at that timeline we're thinking maybe mid to late november okay i mean obviously a setback but not the worst of things i mean hopefully he can come back before december or get some games in maybe with the rain and then hopefully make an impact on the hl roster but yeah an unfortunate situation nonetheless
1: yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, for my, my job, I'm, my, I'm a paramedic, so I do have a little bit of like a medical background and you're right. If so long as it's just a fracture and there's no ligament damage, no tendon damage um, you, you hate to say it like this, but it was the best case scenario if there was going to be an injury. Right. Yeah. Because the fracture is going to, you know, it can heal clean. It can heal quicker really. Uh, you know, because obviously once you get into like ligament damage and tendon damage, those always tend to come back mm-hmm. and bite you too. So um, yeah, I think you're right by, by the end of November um, he'll probably go to Ontario for a few games to get, you know, get his legs back under him, but I would hopefully would expect to see him back in LA by Christmas.
0: Yeah. And I think we had all like pegged him to be opening this team as a fourth line center. Um, even McClellan mentioned that just yesterday that it was he, that was the position he was going to take and on October 14th. So all in all unfortunate situation, but Hey, this is where you have having the best prospect pipeline in the NHL comes in handy. I mean, it's time for some other players to step up. I mean, you're talking about an Alex Turcotte, Rasmus Kupari, Jared Anderson, Dolan still lingering around there. We put that poll out there and it seems like fans are kind of leaning more toward, toward uh, Turcotte or Anderson Dolan. So this is, it's time for some of the younger kids kids to step up and, and we got a look at some of them last night against the Ducks, and it was more or less kind of like the Ontario Rain team with a little mix of some uh, NHL players sprinkled in there. And, and they looked pretty good. It was a bad start. But, yeah, it was, it was good showing from some of those battles or some of those players that are in to some tough training camp battles right now.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the first period of that game when I saw you almost wanted to turn it off. It's like, oh, my God, yeah. this is so hard to watch. But,
0: you mm-hmm. know, we hung
1: in there, and, and I'll tell you, those kids turned it on in the second to the third period. And, you know, speaking of turning it on, it's funny you mentioned that, that Byfield was going to be the fourth-line center. And, you know, some people, including myself, going into the preseason thought that he might be having a shot at the third-line center. But I'm going to tell you guys, I'll tell you something. Gabe Velarde looks great. Yeah. yeah, He, he really does. This kid's playing with a mission this year. I mean, he's he's skating hard. I mean, you see that dangle? He had that little shimmy through the defense. Oh yeah, that was the other night.
0: That was pretty, that was pretty.
1: And uh, what do they say? Shoot the puck game. Well, he he had that laser wrist shot for a goal. He looks fantastic. I mean, I, maybe that all this talk of moving him to the wing and moving him out of center, well, perhaps maybe it, it lit a fire under him.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's funny you say that because when we were walking, I was walking around with Zach Dooley and all of them uh, after the game and we were talking about like Gabe Velarde would have been the story of the night if Quentin Byfield hadn't gone down cuz he was just having a tremendous game it was it was so first of all it was the first game that we had seen really the full lineup that and all in all it could have been the potential lineup that the Kings were going to ice come October 14th you had Kopitar and Deno down one down the middle 1 2 you had Vellardi playing the 3C and then you had Byfield playing the 4C so it was really the first real look that we got at Dano playing the second line center and Velarde being shifted down to the third-line center. And he looked comfortable there. I mean, and if we're talking about the competition he's going to go up against when he's playing that role, you're not having to go up against other teams' top six players. You're going up against some of the lesser talented players, I guess you can say, on the other teams. So he he thrived on, on Tuesday. He was making, like you mentioned, that dangle he had, was pretty. I mean, that stutter step move going into the zone, he was pl- really confident with the puck and that line has just been really impressive. I mean, and they've been kind of roller coaster late last couple of games, but on Tuesday, it was one of Velarde's best games. And hopefully that he, hopefully he can just keep it up because I don't want him to get into this inconsistency as some right. other players do <clears throat> Adrian Kempe, but I want <laughs> him to continue this confidence that he's building Um but and, and it's, I like that you mentioned the power play goal that he had because he's got a screamer of a wrist shot. And when he is able to utilize that from the circle, that's just another added benefit. Sure. He's playing second on the second power play unit, too, which is great because now you have Kachev playing on the first power play unit with, I think, Kopitar, Brown, um, I think, Arvidsson and Doughty. And then you have some really talent, a lot of talent on the second power play unit now. And Byfield was on that unit, too, before he went down. So if Velarde is able to bring that confidence to the second power play unit and use that, utilize that shot a lot more, that's that's just another weapon for the Kings on special teams.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'll tell you, now you're starting to see a little bit of the uh, the genius of the Philip Deneau signing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, to be able to not have that pressure on him now of having to face – either the other team's best center or the second-best center on the team because, obviously, as second-line center, that's what he was going to be doing or what he was doing. So now with the no-around, he doesn't have that pressure on him anymore. And you could just see – it. Don't, it's almost like a weight has been lifted off his shoulders. Yeah. Right? And now it's, it looks like he's having fun again, which is which is absolutely key. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned it with, uh, you know, the power play. You know, but I'll tell you, the, the line that he's been playing with looks dynamite too. Uh, he's you know he's he's paired up with Techev and uh leah Anderson, and I'll tell you those guys have got some chemistry together,
0: yeah, I mean we kind of saw some of that chemistry with Lardy and Anderson at the end of the last season. They were making a lot of pretty plays in the offensive zone I mean that goal they had in Anaheim last year that was just beautiful oh, yeah and then you had you had the playmaker Kachev to that line, and now all of a sudden you got another player who's offensively talented i've hyped him up constantly over the offseason thinking that he's a player that the uh, NHL should take a watch on when it comes to the Calder Cup or Calder Trophy um, talk. So you kind of saw at the beginning of the preseason, the first couple games, what Vladimir Kachev can bring. He's pure playmaker. He doesn't really have a huge shot, but he's willing to take the puck through the neutral zone into the offensive zone. He's a good, he's a really good zone entry player. And when he have him on the power play, he can find those open um, open players and have them, uh, those open goal scorers and have them put the puck in the net. And we saw that um, in Vegas or against Vegas uh, on the power play unit when he found uh, Kaliev right in front. And then we saw, we've seen it with uh, the the line, that chemistry that they brought. Um, the last couple of games or more specifically last night's game against Anaheim, they had a little bit more, I guess you can say of a down game. Uh, analytically, it wasn't really that great for them. <laughs> um, but if you're thinking about it, we're talking about, Vladimir Kachev, who's twenty six never played in the NHL before um leah Anderson and Gabe velardi who are still re- relatively young players at twenty two they're going to, they were playing technically in the first line last night going up against what it was, kind of like the ducks opening night lineup I mean we're talking about Ryan Getzlaff, trevor Ands right. Max Konta. there's a lot of talented players going up against so it's now that we see where velardi is and Anderson and kachev are really solidified when they're able to play that third line role. And like you mentioned with Denoe coming in, playing some solid second line minutes, defending against some of the team's top units, that's really going to take an ease off um, Kopitar and as well as Velarde as well uh, for the season. So really underrated signing and it's, it's going to work out well for the Kings benefit.
1: And, you know, you mentioned that the zone entries that the has, and that's, I'll tell you, that's something that they desperately needed more of last season the ability to gain the zone. And I think you're right. That's what he brings to the table as well, which is, which is invaluable. It, it really mm-hmm. is. And I'm just, I'm telling you having all that, that strength down the middle is really going to help him this season, you know, and especially, and I know this is all just kind of, you know, getting a little bit too far ahead of ourselves, but against a team <laughs> like Edmonton, when you think about it, right. That it's just got yeah, McDavid to deal with. Right. And mm-hmm. if they decide to put dry side on 2C or, or new Hopkins, whoever, you know, now you got Kopi and Dino to counter them. So, now you're getting into bottom six against bottom six. And I'll put the the Kings' bottom six up against the Oilers' bottom six at any time. So, yeah. just another, you know, kind of random thought that entered my head. Uh, you know, from last night's game, another takeaway. Hey, Russ, we already <laughs> party like it was 1999 last night. Arthur Kelly. Okay. I know, I'm still all over him. It could have been the Dodger problems, game. It could have yeah. been the already party.
0: could have been the Dodger game. But,
1: yeah. Uh, man, I'll tell you why he, he just looks fantastic He, he really does that, uh, that shot is everything that they say it is And even more, I think And, you know, I, I know he's been kind of Bouncing back, around, back and forth on the wire Between the NHL and the AHL I gotta tell you, man, I see no reason For him to be in the AHL anymore You really can't And people could say, well, it's preseason, it's preseason Yeah, but you know what? You have to take the body of work and what you see And what do the Kings need? They need to score goals. What does Arthur Kaliav do? Arthur Kaliav just scores goals is what he does. So to me, he's got to be on that opening right roster. What do you think?
0: Yeah. And God, that Howard service shot is just so pretty. I mean, that second goal that he had just a one-timer that went and roofed it. I know. Right into the back of the net. It's it's, It's beautiful, but I mean, yeah, it's exact, he's exactly the type of player that the Kings need. I mean, they've been the bottom portion of the league the last few years in terms of goal scoring. So what better than to place a pure goal scorer straight into the lineup who, who seems like he's NHL ready? I mean, we're talking about a shot, and I've mentioned I think his shot is NHL ready and probably the best in the organization right now. Um, he probably is one of the best shots in the NHL if he came in. It's just it's, sure. it's that good. I mean, we saw that one goal he had in, against Finland in the world junior championships, where he was just kind of standing still and just was able to roof it from the mid slot. It was, it was just ridiculous. And even Ray Ferraro touched on it at the time, but I mean, we saw, and we saw last night that he's, he, with the hat trick that he had that it, it was only on three shots. So he's got yeah. some efficiency too as well. So the problem, but the problem right now with Kaliev is, is where do you plan? And, there's that top six unit with the Kings seems like it's pretty much solidified. You have Harvidsson and Brown playing the wings in the first line. Then you have Kempe and I have followed playing the wings in the second line. Kempe is an RFA this year. Does he come back this next year? That's, that's a big question mark. So you, you mentioned too, with Callie jumping up and down just today. I mean, he was sent down from the game last night and then brought back up back to the Kings. And it seems more than likely that he's going to be taken by spot possibly for the upcoming line or for the next couple of days, I guess, mm-hmm. and possibly get a look on Saturday night for the last preseason game with the Kings before they have to make those final roster decisions. But it's a tough decision because do you want Kaliev playing fourth line minutes? Not really. He's not a fourth
1: liner. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's way the tough. problem is you want to, you want to put him in the right chance to succeed and you want to play him with a player like Kopitar or Dano or even possibly a Gabe Lardi. But I mean, but you don't it, want to break that a, lineup right just yet either, though. Yeah, exactly, and you don't want to break that chemistry up, so it's just a hard decision to make. But yeah, it, it, and it's, it's not even just his goal scoring, too. I mean, we talk about oh man, all he does is score, but I mean, yeah, it's it's just a fun statement to make. But I mean, he's he's a playmaker too. He's he's got some real good passing ability, and we and we saw that last night with that pass that he made to Turcotte right in the front of the net on the power right. play. It was it was really pretty. So I mean, it's yeah. it's it's just hard because we the Kings fans have this shiny new toy that they just want to open and just play with and it's just they can't because they just have to be patient and it's coming it's coming they'll he'll be in the nhl sooner rather than later and and he'll be scoring goals and lighting lamps well City my Center. feeling
1: is is that obviously you're going to have injuries come up um i don't think the kings are done dealing as far as trades go i i think at some point you're going to see another trade simply because we've talked about this on several other episodes there's just too many.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what, do you, what are you going to do? Too.
1: Jack Eichel yeah. still available. <laughs> well, actually, you know, on a sidebar, did you see that? Uh, I think it was Darren Drager who was reporting that uh, the Kings are still one of the teams in on him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I just never I don't know end. how much.
0: <laughs> I just don't know how much weight I'm going to put. In. It's like okay, it's like yeah, let's just get it over with at this point. Exactly.
1: Like, I mean, you feel <laughs> I terrible talk. about I mean, it. Yeah.
0: Just to kind of keep going further on that tangent, you just feel terrible for the player. I mean it's kind of ridiculous that all the hands are like all the rights for what the decision uh, this human being can make for his health is cause is, is in the Buffalo Sabres hands. And it's like, just let him be healthy and make the right decision for his own body at this point. I mean, who cares about where he's playing or if, or when he's going to play, just let him make his own decision for if he wants to have surgery. I mean, at this point, who knows? Maybe he's in pain at this point or
1: right now. It's just as tough. And you're, you're right, but I mean, it does clearly say in the CBA. No, yeah. That, that, this... But here's the thing, you know, like if I was the Sabres, I mean, I, because here's the thing too, if you're going to trade Eichel, whoever you trade him to has to agree to the surgery that he wants to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they, mm-hmm. they acquire, because I mean, it's going to be a dirt cheap price at this point. Nobody's going to pay top dollar to get Jack Eichel right now. It's not going to happen. But well, whoever yeah. he does go to, if their their team doctor says no, we want him to do the fusion surgery too. Well, you're right back to square one. So mm-hmm. whoever it is has to agree to this surgery, you know. And, and just on a sidebar, you know, if, I, if I, I would almost be like, if I was a saver, say, hmm, okay, you want to do the surgery, go ahead. But guess what? If it goes bad and you you get worse, your contract's voided because you went against what we wanted to do. And there's 50 million dollars on the line. So there's there they don't. I, I totally get it, man, and it, and you know what? It may not be a bad idea for them to do it because not, you might be able to tra- uh, blaze a trail here, mm-hmm. and it might work out for other players in the NHL. That if this surgery does work, then and it's, it's, I guess there's a, a quicker recovery time with it, right? I mean, we're talking months as opposed to a fusion surgery. And, and you're right. It, I mean, it, the the guy has it's his own body. I mean, there's no doubt about it that you know if he wants to do a procedure, yeah, but. It's all the legalities, and, and honestly, it's just been beaten yeah. into the ground. There, there's nothing more you going to do about <laughs> it. You know? I know, I know. I yeah. mean, if I'm the Ducks, I don't know why the Ducks haven't made that trade already. That just seems like a
0: match made. I have a feeling he Maybe.
1: ends up there. Yeah, it just makes
0: <laughs> a lot of sense. I mean, if he's not going to really play a lot this year, the Ducks are obviously in a rebuild. I mean, have him come back next year, and then you have a one-two punch with Eichel and Zgris. That That makes a lot of sense, and that would be unfortunate just to see him playing against the Kings, but Right. Uh, it could not make sense for him to go there.
1: Well, just think of it this way whoever gets them is going to put them on LTIR, right? So yeah. Couldn't you see, yeah. like, Tampa pulling something like that off. They're always <laughs> taking on these LTIR contracts. Couldn't you Let's see? Let's not it?
0: go down that road again.
1: <laughs> you were feeling so good from the two games last night. Yeah. Really yeah. Bad. Great.
0: It was Tampa Bay <laughs> four times in a
1: row. <laughs> All right. Let's not talk about Jack Eichel anymore. Let's talk about Back to our Kings. So, um, Let's flip over to the defense. Who on the defense has stood out for you so far in this preseason? Oh man, I mean, if we're really looking
0: at defense, I mean, there's still some battles left to be won. I mean, that seventh, even possibly even the sixth defensive spot. I mean, we 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 know what Alex Edler can bring, but he's he's what 36 years old, 37 years old. He's he's an aging veteran. So I don't really see him playing a full 82 games, maybe even less than that, maybe even like 60 games this season. So you have to have a player in the defenseman who's willing to step in on those back-to-back games on those long road trips and who's able to be a viable option for the Kings. So if we're looking at uh, players right now, fortunately, Kale Clegg was sent back down. You saw Christian will is up there. Um, Ole Mata is still around, but he's hurt. So, what do the Kings do? I mean, at this point, Austin Strand played last night, too. But I thought I, I thought Austin Strand actually didn't really have that great of a game. No, so, yeah, he, he kind of looked out of place at certain, certain, uh, certain times throughout the game. But I uh, Christian Willainen actually looked pretty good. And he's an offensive threat. You saw him playing on the power play a little bit. So, could he be a viable option? He was coming over from the Mario trade. I think he could. Um, he also brings um, some good defensemen. He's got some NHL experience under his, his belt as well. So that's just thing. So, yeah, with Christian Rolina he brings this added element of offense to the to the Kings that really not a lot of the other players really like Ole Mata can bring. I mean, we saw him playing on the power play last night. So could he be an option playing as a seventh defenseman? I think so. And it's just where do you play Ole Mata or where do you put Ole Mata at that point? And I think at this point you just have to try to get – whatever you can for him and i think nhl teams when you look and hear that name um he's stanley cup pedigree he's got he's got some a lot of experience i think you can can possibly get maybe even a fourth or fifth round pick for him so just trying to get rid of i don't want to say get rid of him but try to get something for him if you're just in terms of just going to cut him so I think I could see will line being in that seventh defenseman and he's been someone who's who's more or less impressed me I guess the last couple of days
1: you know our perfect spot for Mata would be Ottawa they need to get to the cap floor as it is mm-hmm. right so i mean they've i th- I think they still got about twenty thousand draft picks available, so <laughs> maybe <laughs> we start working the phone and see if we can get something anyway uh I'll tell you you know this preseason and I don't mean to be you know the the debbie downer guy or anything like that but as far as defense goes, nobody's really—I mean—took the ball and run with it. As far as I'm, as far as what I can see, mm-hmm. if anything, I will say that Mikey Anderson looks like he's getting his offensive game going a little bit more than he did last season. Starting to play with a little more like a, a confidence kind of thing. Um, I'll tell you though, I was shocked to be perfectly honest. Maybe just because I've been banging this drum for so long about Cal Clegg, that they didn't mm-hmm. keep him around to to get more of a look, especially like I said, with, with nobody really separating themselves that, you know, was in the mix, so to speak. Um, And I'm, I'm very surprised that he cleared waivers. I I don't know. Maybe there's just something that other people see or are or aren't seeing in him that I don't, but I I just, I I don't know. I don't know what to make of all that.
0: Yeah. It's not, it's not even just us. It's, it's Elliot Freeman even mentioned it during when he saw, he even was surprised that Kale Clay cleared. So I don't know. I thought they may have kept him around at least, Till the end of the preseason, but for them yeah. to send him back down so early, that was kind of strange. So, I don't know, maybe maybe the Kings staff is seeing something that we aren't, and it's just, it's just a tough break. But it's funny that you mentioned that re- there really hasn't been a defensive player that has, ste- that has stepped up, and I kind of thought the same. So, when you asked me that question, I was thinking, like, oh, man, it's kind of hard to think of. But yeah. if – I think about it hypothetically, like, what if Brant Clark was around throughout this training oh. camp? Right could he have maybe battled for a potential spot on the Kings just to kind of get a look? I mean, yeah. he's exactly the type of player that the Kings need on defense. He's that offensively talented defenseman that the Kings have been looking for. And we're talking about players that like Mikey Anderson, Burnford, who aren't really that offensively gifted. I mean, they're great all around defensemen, but they don't really have that added offensive threat to the game that Brent Clark could bring. So Oh man, the Kings have just really been hampered with injuries and with Quentin Byfield now and Bryant Clark. It was just it's just been kind of it's been kind of a tough training camp to kind of go through. And the preseason has been kind of a roller coaster. And if you're kind of looking at kind of good things that the Kings have seen, I mean, we're talking about maybe like Gabe Vallardi's had a good camp. Arthur Kalyev's had a good camp too. So It's been a lot of up and downs so far to uh, this early part of October.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. So I guess uh, we're getting towards the end of our time here together already, but uh, I see there's a lot of preseason predictions as far as playoff spots and and stuff like that. And it doesn't seem like the Kings are getting very much respect, which is, to me, you know what, fine, us against the world, whatever. But I have to be Mm -hmm. honest with you, I cannot believe the, the, the sites out there that are picking the Kraken to get like 95 points. Yeah, and I, I'm, so I'll, I'm still, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm make stunned. a
0: statement. Yeah, I'll, I'll make a point on that. And the things, so when you look at all these models that are coming out, and, you know, um, Jay Fresh has his models coming out, Don, and the Susan has his coming out for the Athletic. They're taking players for, that have played on the Kings from the last season, and it's hard to really compute players like Arthur Kaliev, Alex Turcotte, even like at Quentin Byfield, what they can bring, or even the chemistry. Between Cobotar and Dano and all, and Arvidsson, what they can bring. I mean, you can bring in those individual numbers and try to add them into the equation there, but it's really hard to, it's really tough to compute um, all of that. So right now, you see all these models that are using players like Carl Grunstrom, Jerry Anderson, right. Blake Lazat, players that have been playing for the Kings. So it's really hard okay. to kind of take into account um, those predictions that are coming into play. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see the Kings getting. Like being in the bottom two, from what no. I've seen, at some um, like battling, I, I, I can definitely see them beating being the Sharks in terms of the Pacific Division at least. Um, so for them to be getting that far, going or being pegged to be uh, finished that far down in the Pacific Division, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think, I think more, if anything, they're going to be battling for that third spot um, come uh, May or April.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going right out on the limb right now. I'm going to say they are taking that third spot. I don't care if that's a Homer attitude or not. I I think they can do it. I I just, I look at that Pacific division and I just, every team, including Vegas has problems. Some more than others, no doubt about it. But it's not as though there's, there's no chance for them to make the playoffs. I mean, if they were in the central division, it'd be a lot, a lot more difficult say if they were back east in the metro, maybe a little bit more difficult. But this division is wide open, and there's just no reason why they... You know, I'm even going to say they have to contend this year. They have to take the next step. There's no doubt about it. Because to me, you know, and this is me as a fan, whatever, I'm not satisfied with lottery picks anymore. I don't care who's coming up in the next drafts. I don't care about any of that anymore. I I, I, want to see them win. You know, it used to be like the... Well, we're getting better, and we're going to get a high lottery pick. Well, we're getting better. Yes. We're going to get a high lottery pick. Well, that's not good enough for me anymore. Now is the time. And, I, and I'm telling you, I really, truly believe in my heart they can take that third spot. Yeah, that's I that what you but, on. I mean, yeah, with the, yeah, there you go.
0: With with the Golden Knights, too, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're losing. Alex Tuck's going to be gone for a full six months. I mean, so that's a big loss. Yeah. They're another injury away from potentially having some real problems over there. So – And when I look at uh, teams like Edmonton and Vancouver and Calgary, all those Western Canada teams, they're defensively, they're not that great. So when I see these predictions coming out, I'm like, oof. I mean, obviously Edmonton's got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisidel. Vancouver has Elias Patterson and Brock Besser. Who knows? Besser could have a really good season. Um, And then Calgary's got Kachuk and Goudreau, who's playing on a contract year. So there's a lot of – question marks I guess with those teams so and then I think that's all in all the, the Pacific Division in its entirety there's just question marks all over the place I mean you sure. talk about the Kings obviously with all the newcomers that have come in San Jose is a young team then they got some is Thomas Hurdle going to be around for the upcoming season I just mentioned all the Western Canadian teams and Anaheim's are technically rebuilding teams so they're pegged to be on the bottom but yeah it's just Pacific Division is just a wide open race at this point I feel and the Kings they just need to take that next step where they have to be contenders. I mean, last season, yeah, we can call them, they contended, but they didn't really, they weren't really playoff contenders. I mean, they were close, but in a shortened season, most teams are going to be close anyway. So right. for them to take the next step, that needs to happen this coming season. And I think there's a lot of pressure on Rob Blake and Todd McClellan to make that next, je- next step um, into the playoffs. So. Oh, absolutely.
1: Time is now. I mean, I mean, look at Vegas, right? They they traded away Flurry, which was you know that 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 I think that's going to loom larger than people think because he was such a presence in that room, mm-hmm. right? And a, and if Robin Robin Leonard falters at any point, goes into a slump or something like that, they really don't have anybody else to to come in and save the day like they always had with Flurry around, right? I mean, and mm-hmm. then Edmonton, their defense got worse, if you ask me, and they're going to depend on Mike Smith all year. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Connor McDavid can score, you know, un- un- unreal amounts of points, but still, you got to keep the puck out of the net too. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I guess if there's a exactly. team that I think that the Kings are going to have a serious challenge for that third spot, I tend to think it's Vancouver. Uh, mm-hmm. Vancouver went through a nightmare last season as far as everything that could possibly go wrong for them did. Um, they got their key players back in the fold, so I think it's at. Just going out on a limb, preseason here. I think it's going to come down to the Kings and Vancouver battling it out for that third spot. I think Connor McDavid carry the Oilers to second, and obviously Vegas will probably win the division. But
0: I was surprised that Vancouver didn't make the playoffs last season. I actually picked them to win the North last year because I mean, you look at that lineup up and down, and Pedersen, who's a really he's on a he's like a budding superstar at this point, and some people even picked him to win the Heart last year. I think he's still kind of getting there. But he can take that. If he can take that next step, that team could be really talented and can vie for that first uh, first spot in the Pacific Division. But I really like Brock Besser. Um, there's some JT. Well, Did they make? JT they Miller. made some big. Yeah, JT Miller. They made some other acquisitions throughout the summer. I forgot. Oh, well, Alvin yeah, Larson. Yeah. Oh, if Connor he's still Garland, not base Garland, man, That's right. And I think. And I think Carla. Yeah. I don't know how that contract's <laughs> going to turn out, but th- for this season. I think the acquisition of Connor Garland, that's, that's a huge impact. And unfortunately he was kind of stuck in Arizona and now that he's going to be shining in Vancouver where they love, they love their hockey. I think he's become quickly a quick fan uh, fan favorite up there in Vancouver. I mean, we're talking about a Trevor Moore type player who's got more skill and he's got a lot of confidence to his game too. We saw him and Trevor Moore actually play really well together in Latvia during the world championships. So I think that's a team that can take the next step, and they're going to be a a force to reckon with in in the Pacific Division this year.
1: Yeah, and don't forget, Bull Horvat is just criminally underrated as well. Yeah,
0: but
1: but still, I think it's going to be our Kings that edge them out. I don't care. That's what I'm going with. I think so. Sticking with. (laughs) Hey, Scott. Before
0: before we get going here, I'm gonna I want to add another topic. I want to. This is like a little extra credit to us as well. Let's talk about a, a certain player that's kind of been a little maligned the last couple of years in Austin Wagner. So yes, we talk about Austin Wagner. We all know Kings fans all know he gets those breakaways, but he just never really finishes. He has some unfortunate turnovers in his defensive zone, but I will say the last couple of games, he's looked really good. I mean, if he's able to finish all you know, that partial breakaway that he had just last night with uh, going against the ducks, it was really nice. I mean, if he's able to, he's almost like that home run type hitter. he he has and that's the type of player that you want on the bottom six that player who can who can have those breakaways and if he's able to finish he can score those goals that's just an added added weapon for the kings on the bottom six so i think he's we he draws the ire of a lot of kings fans but i think it's not really that warranted i mean obviously when you think about breakaways you they should be finished and he wasn't really doing that throughout his career but now lately You've kind of seen him start to take that next step, where he is starting to finish those breakaways, and they've been really pretty goals um, lately too. So, wanted to get your thoughts on that player?
1: Well, I'm going to tell you something. I have always liked Austin Wagner, and you're right; he oh, draws a lot like of the buy-ins. only person. <laughs> I've, I've just been an Austin Wagner guy. I can't help it, right? See, to me, mm-hmm. he is the ideal fourth line winger. Okay, yes, I know he can't finish his breakaways. That's why he's on the fourth line, right? But what mm-hmm. the, what he does, he hits. Right. Yes, you're right. He does have some defensive flubs every once in a while. That that's got to be worked on. But with the other thing that speed does is it keeps the other team off balance. Okay, so he doesn't finish these breakaways. That's fine because you want to know what when he's flubbing a breakaway, that means the puck's not in the king's end. <laughs> exactly. Right. So it, it. So to me, that is the secret. And it, and the guy is not small. I mean, he's what six two, six three. He goes six about one two. Six one, okay, well, I'm a six so I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, uh, not small. No, certainly not. I mean, he goes, what, 200, 205, something like that, so he's not going to get pushed around. And like I said, I personally have just always liked the intangibles that he can bring into the game. And again, I'm not suggesting one bit that he's a top-six player or anything like that. But if you want to put him on the fourth line and let him disrupt people, let him go out and throw some hits, you know what? You could do a lot worse because, let's put it this way, yes, I know that the Kings are, are loaded with all this offensive young prospects, right? Those mm-hmm. offensive-minded young prospects cannot play on the fourth line. That is not what the fourth line is for, right? And I get the fact that they were going to start Byfield on, it, fine, as the fourth line center and let him work his way up. That's kind of an exceptional situation, right? Yeah. Well, overall, because obviously Byfield wasn't going to stay there for the whole season, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. But, <laughs> Overall, you can't have four lines full of offensive superstars. It never works, especially the NHL. you got to have somebody to grind. And what does Austin Wagner do? He grinds. And you throw in those, those that whitening speed that he has to keep the other team off balance, hey, you know what, for what is it, 1.13, his million-dollar do, million cap hit, I'll take it.
0: Yeah, so if he brings a little bit of sandpaper to his game, I think that would make Kings fans a little bit more appreciative of what he can bring. I mean, we, we talk about Austin Wagner and we always think of goal scoring, goal scoring, and that's not really the type of game or the type of player that he, he is. And that's not his game. So if he is able to bring those breakaways that are, that's just a bonus on the bottom, on the bottom six for the Kings. So if he is able to continue his hitting aspects and bring a little bit of that sandpaper type uh, game to, to the ice, I think that he should be on the Kings fourth line and should probably play a lot of games with the Kings this year. And and I think he's been one of the players who impressed me almost the most throughout this training camp.
1: You're right. And, you know, the one thing that the Kings have kind of done is got rid of some of their sandpaper guys, right? Exactly. So that's mm-hmm. really what they need. So you're absolutely right. Well, my friend, I think our, uh, our time is just about done here. I uh, want to remind everybody that we have new content on HockeyRoyalty.com every day, uh, working hard to – to bring the latest King's news and opinions and thoughts and what have you to you. So if you, if you would be so kind, please check that out. If you haven't already, we also have an Ontario rain podcast called making it rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friends, Brandon and Joe are doing a fantastic job with that. So uh, if you get a minute, look them up and give them a listen too. well, Russ, I think that's about it. And I think we're going to call it a game here, but I'll tell you what, man, season's almost here. Cannot wait to get going. So Everybody, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Scott Kimball for Russell Morgan. Have a good one, and go Kings go.
0: Go Kings.